Okay. Hey, let's start off in prayer. Lord, we need you uh, to speak to us, so uh, Father, um, be with us. We, in, we invite you, we invite you to, to speak into our hearts, God. We need uh, your words, empty me and uh, just just use me as an empty vessel, Father. Empty empty all of us and fill us with with your oil, Lord. Um, we need words of truth. We need words of of life and affirmation. And we ask all these things in the holy name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Uh, so for the past two weeks, we've we've really just done a Bible study. Uh, this week will be no different. Uh, we're in Galatians chapter six. We finished Galatians chapter five uh, last week. So this does not flow. Uh, my outline for this sermon uh, would fail a seminary course, uh, but I mean, God wrote it, so I think it's a good outline. So Galatians 6.1, brothers, this is just the plural, just like in Spanish, you would use the masculine form of something, so ladies, we're talking to you too. Brothers, believers, those of you under one father, Right? So this is speaking to people who agree in their faith. We are united under one Father. So you are, you are my brother, you are my sister. Maybe you're in here today and you say, I'm not, I don't even believe. No, but you're my friend, okay? So uh, brothers, believers, and, and that's important. If someone is caught in a trespass, you who are spiritual should restore him with a spirit of gentleness, but watch yourself or you also may be tempted. Carry one another's burdens, and in this way you will fulfill the law of Christ. Something stuck out uh, to me. Brothers, if someone is caught in a trespass, you who are spiritual, you who are spiritual, you are spiritual. What, what does that mean? See, in, in our American culture, that means you who are spiritual means, hey, you who are mystical, magical. No, that's not what he's saying. You who are led by the Spirit, not led by the flesh. Concerned about things of the Spirit, not concerned about things of the flesh. You who are spiritual. You regard the things of the Spirit as greater than things of the flesh. You who are spiritual. Brothers, if someone is caught in a trespass, you who are spiritual should restore him with a spirit of gentleness. I think that that comes with some imagery, and maybe I'm projecting my own imagery on to you, but, but possibly you see that like I do, okay? There is someone, possibly a stranger, and you see this struggle, and I begin to restore them. But think, think about it. I don't, think that's, I don't think that's the portrait that's painted here. It says, brothers, if someone is caught in a trespass, you who are spiritual should restore. For someone to be restored, they have to be taken back to the condition that they were in. That's also what tells you that we're talking about believers here, about brothers and sisters in Christ and the unity. But I don't typically know about strangers' struggles. You know what I'm saying? And nor do you. There are some things that are, that are evident, but we typically don't know about a stranger's struggles. This is probably someone who is close to you. In fact, 
If you have ever been the person who has been restored, it was probably by someone close to you. My guess is a traveling person coming through loves didn't just slap you around and get you back on track one day. They didn't just find you at random. This was someone who knows you, who has your best interest in mind. And those are the people that we are probably looking at in this scenario. Now, can it be anything? Yes. I'm not tying this down to one particular scenario. It could be many things. You may meet someone today and say, I need help, and they help, and they restore you, but they're going to have to get to know you. I say this all the time. We, we view one another almost like a bank account because at some point I'm going to have to ask something big of you. That is a withdrawal well, what do you have to do at the bank before you can ever make a big withdrawal? You have to make a couple big or a lot of little ones. And so think about this. I am called to restore people, and so to do that, I'm going to have to make a big withdrawal. How dare I do that unless I have first made a deposit into someone's life? Well, what are you trying to say? I'm trying to say this. You have never and probably will never argue someone into the kingdom of God. My guess is you've never walked up to someone and heard, I heard you're an atheist. Well, let's talk, baby. And then in 10 minutes, you had them convinced. It didn't happen. It doesn't work that way. And I'm just going to make a prediction. Hmm, Jared's predictions. I bet there's going to be a presidential election with debates soon, and no one will ever change their minds via one of those debates. You're going to walk out thinking what you walked in thinking. The only way we change, the only way we restore, the only way that we have a right to make a withdrawal is if we first make a deposit. But let me, I think this is trickier than we want to admit, and that's why I'm honing in on you who are spiritual. There's a book that I sell. Every, every book that's, that's in the foyer there, uh, I have read, minus one. I need to read it, but it just looks so boring, but Dusty loves it. So uh, all of them, I'm serious. All of them I have read, and those are my tops. So I wanted to put that out there just so that you know that those have been vetted, that I approve of all of those books. Uh, but they're, my absolute favorite marriage book is out there. It's called Love and Respect. And, and there's a principle that is taught, and it deals with more than just marriage. Uh, but, but I wanted to use this example. I, wanted, I, I wanna, want you to see this passage in a different light. And so I've asked for some help. Could I get my helpers to come up today? <laughs> this is so fun. Okay. So I have, I have today for you uh, a, a pool noodle. Now these are symbolic and well used. These are well loved, well used pool noodles. And I have, if you could stand here, I have a pink noodle. And what is the purpose in a pool noodle? Well, you fill it with water and you blow it on people, right? No, the purpose is that they're, they're used as a toy, but what are they really? They're a flotation device. These are literally to lift people up. Now, is that on a, an on-point analogy or what? Come on, come on. Okay, these are to lift people up. These are a saving device, okay? And that is what the Lord has given you. This is what your words are meant to do, is to build up rather than tear down. But as it says in James, sometimes we turn on the tap and salt water comes out, right? Which should never happen. But sometimes we use the very thing that we were given to build someone up to tear them down. Now, we never intend to do that. 
Some of you were a bully when you were in school, and, and, and you wouldn't have ever known if someone said you're a bully, you would have completely disagreed, and looking back, you were like, yeah, yeah, I get it now. I never intended to be that. Some of you are a bully to your spouse, and you don't intend to be that. You who are spiritual should restore him with a spirit of gentleness. You who are spiritual. Okay, think about this. Think about this. We have, we have a young couple here, and they, they're dating, and I, I absolutely adore these two, okay? And, and, and they are dating, and I look at their young lives, and I think, man, I could have avoided some things had there been some things that I know, because here's sort of what, I'm going to get out of the way, because things are about to get lit. Uh, here are, are some things that I, I wish I would have known. You see, I speak in blue speak. And my wife speaks in pink speak. And to make things further complicated, I have blue hearing aids. And she has pink hearing aids. So sometimes the things that I say, those pink hearing aids translates, uh, and it comes across differently to her than how I meant it. I said the same thing to Dusty this week, and he loved it. You know? And then all of a sudden, it's just not received. And so what happens is I take, I take the very thing that I have to save my wife. I take the thing that I have that would save my partner, my words, my encouragement, my affirmation. And, and guys, man, we get together and, <laughs> and we kind of hit each other with those words sometimes. It's for fun. And so sometimes I do that to my partner. Eden, go ahead. Say, it's just for, whoa, whoa, it's just for fun. It was just for fun. But what, I didn't even, I, hold on. <laughs> hey, we all know who's going to win this deal. Um, now, what, what happened, he just meant it for fun, but, but I, I ran over here and Kirsten says immediately, he hit me first. And so what did she do? She hit, but she hit Harder. And so, haha, it's still kind of funny. So, Eden, go ahead. See how it works for you. Oh, okay. Okay. So, this is what happens in our... This is exactly what happens in our relationships. Everything I have breaks down. And so, I meant it, and I may not have meant it necessarily for destruction. Maybe I did. Maybe it was just out of frustration. But... What happens is, and this is all in love and respect, what happens is I say something that my wife may perceive as unloving. And so we know according to Ephesians chapter 5 that uh, husbands are to love their wives and wives are to respect their husbands. Because on a bell curve, on an 80-20 principle, uh, what a man desires in life is respect and what a woman desires in life is love. You say, well, I bet both of them. Of course we both want love. Of course we both want respect. But when men, when women are surveyed with negative uh, thoughts, responses, emotions, reactions, and said, what did you perceive this as? 80% of the time a man will say disrespect. And 80% of the time a woman will say there's no love in that. And so what we want is love and respect. And so what happens is I say something unloving and I am returned with disrespect. And so I see your disrespect and I raise you not love, right? And so it just goes on and on until 
what happens, and you saw this as a perfect example, Kirsten was struck. She was hurt. Her feelings were hurt. She got hit with a blue noodle that was always meant to save her. And so she responded the way that we respond because we know this, hurt people hurt people. And so she responded, not only, you know, there's supposed to be some law about an equal and opposite reaction. Uh, no. <laughs> it never comes back equal, does it? It always gets harder. And so if they were left to their own devices, which they have proved, it would just get out of hand, right? You hit me harder, so I'm going to hit you harder. So you hit me harder, so I'm going to hit you harder. And then eventually what happens is, is she is so wounded. She is so wounded that she says, gloves are off. And this is where, this is where a man will feel so disrespected that he says, I deserve to DM my old girlfriend. And what you've done is you have hit with something that is no longer safe, that breaks. And she says, oh, well, you've treated me with, with so much of, of, of a lack of love, you would have to hate me to do this. And so now I turn my back and I begin to ignore you, I begin to pursue something else. And, and at that point, we're no longer hitting with words. We're hitting with something that breaks. Now, back to, uh uh-uh. I'm up here. Now, back to, back to what, what I was saying. You who are spiritual should restore such a person. See, we see this as a stranger. But here's the problem. Somebody's got to fix this. And it's probably not going to be a stranger. It's going to be one of you. The question is, which one of you? And the answer is, you who are spiritual. Now, in the book, he says, whoever is the most mature. But I'm going to tell you, the one who is the most mature is the one who is acting according to the Spirit, not according to the flesh. Because right now, we're acting according to the flesh. And so this may not be in a love relationship for you. This may be with your coach. This may be with a player. This may be with a coworker. This may be with a parent. But we are just beating one another with the very things that we're always meant to save one another. And you who are spiritual are going to have to do something hard. See, because by this point, you've had some people that really beat you with something big. And you are going to have to be spiritual, which means I have to reject the shot to the ribs that I took. And it was truly wounding, and it was truly hurtful, and I'm going to have to act according to the spirit and not the flesh, and I'm going to have to reverse this. And I begin to use the very thing that I have been using for destruction, for affirmation. And what you'll find is, this is a spiral that goes down. I'm disrespected, I act unloving. I'm unloved, I ask disrespected, and it spirals and spirals and spirals and spirals and spirals. So what you have to do to, to, to energize that cycle is you ha- begin to have to do the exact opposite. You are going to have to take your beating and respond with love. Who do you think would be a good example to look for 
who took a beating, possibly even in the midst of his murder, said, Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. He was the ultimate example. And as they ripped his flesh off and nailed him to a cross, he took the very thing that he could have used. He could have called down 10,000 angels. He could have said, I've flooded the earth once before. This time it's with fire, baby. And instead, he took his bat and he used it to pull us up. He used it to build a bridge. He used it to make a cross. And that is what we are called to do for one another. Would you give my friends a hand, a round of applause? Thank you all so much. You can sit down. Kirsten, you won. Uh, we all saw it. We all saw it. You who are spiritual should restore him with a spirit of gentleness. Do you know that you have people in your life that you need to restore? And if you read this thinking that it was going to be someone that you met looking for spare change at the grocery store, I don't know that that is the more likely scenario. In fact, it is probably someone in your life, maybe the closest person to you, that you are supposed to restore. It is the very person that you are beating with the thing that you were given to save them with. It's a very difficult passage. If someone is caught in a trespass, you who are spiritual should restore him with a spirit of gentleness. I have wanted God to call me to a ministry where that is not the case. Because a lot of people apparently just need slapped around, right? Wouldn't that be a fun little ministry? You and the boys, boom, you can start living for Jesus, right? Has that worked? With a spirit of gentleness. But watch yourself, or you also may be tempted. Whew. Boy, I went there to do something good. I was just hanging out with them because I was really worried about their salvation. And all they do is sit around and drink. So I just started sitting around drinking with them. And all of a sudden, right, I have to know my own weakness. Well, she just seemed down, so I went over every night and was, ooh, that, mm-mm. Because I'm weak. Watch yourself, or you also may be tempted. Carry one another's burdens, and in this way you will fulfill the law of Christ. Let me ask you, who, I didn't say what, I said who, who can you control today? <laughs> you're like, nobody. I know, preacher, look, I've heard this before, I know you're looking for me. I'm the only one I can control, but trust me, that ain't even true. No, it is, it is. The only person that you have control over today is you. God has called us to restore our brother. Man, that's a hard task. I mean, the whole world needs restored, right? Let me, let me, let me show you a passage. This is, this is interesting. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 9 through 13. All the scriptures should be on the screen, by the way. If you didn't walk in a Bible scholar, that's okay. That's why we're here. But we have Bibles for you. They are free. We would love for you to take one. Go home and read it. Check all of these things. We believe it is life for you. Please 
write these passages down. You have a notes. Uh, you, ha- you have a connection card in front of you in the seat. You have notes on there. Please write these down and go home and, and read them for yourselves. First uh, Corinthians six nineteen. Paul writes to church and he says, "I wrote to you in a letter not to associate with sexually immoral people. I did not mean. Listen to verse ten. Listen to this." I did not mean the immoral people of this world or greedy and swindlers or idolaters. Otherwise, you would have to leave the world. I think that there's Christians that are like, I just can't be around sin. Do you know where you are? First of all, you came to the wrong church. If you can't be around sin, then you can't be on this earth. (laughs) <laughs> he says, but actually I wrote to you not to associate with anyone who claims to be a brother or sister and is sexually immoral or greedy and idolater or verbally abusive, a drunkard or swindler. Do not even eat with such a person. And those are the ones that I actually have some jurisdiction on their life. For what business, verse 12, is it of mine to judge outsiders? Don't you judge those who are inside? God judges outsiders. Remove the evil person from among you. I just, I, I pulled this out of a passage, and I can't go over it more than that for, for time's sake, but, but he's, he's saying, I'm calling you to restore something. It's not necessarily the entire world. You have brothers and sisters. You have people who, who claim to love Jesus, and he is calling you to restore them, to build them back to a point of faith. So this is not like, oh my gosh, you've got to walk out here and flag down a car off the road and say, I have to restore you, okay? I just wanted to make that clear. Let's keep going in Galatians chapter 6. Go to verse 3 with me. If anyone thinks he is something when he is nothing, he deceives himself. Each one should test his own work. Then he will have reason to boast in himself alone and not in someone else. For each one should carry his own load. Well, that's seemingly contradictory, isn't it? You just told me to restore my brother, and then you told me that I'm responsible for myself and carry my own load. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) That's hard, isn't it? What's the balance between minding my own business, taking care of what God has given me, stewarding, growing the blessings that God has given me, and giving myself to Jesus, giving myself to the church, pouring out all I have on the altar. What's the balance? Well, let's start with what he says. He says, each one should test his own work, then he will have reason to boast in himself alone and not in someone else, for each one should carry his own load. See, he's given us an analogy here. Those that we're supposed to restore with a spirit of gentleness have a load bigger than they can carry, and I need to help them, right? The problem is I also have a load to carry. And so if I cannot carry my own load then naturally, I can't help you carry yours, right? Now, there's a couple ways to fix this. If I can't carry my own load, I have two routes, either lighten the load or get stronger, correct, or both. 
And this is what we are doing spiritually. Some of you are asking for this, and I want you to ask for this, but I want you to understand what you're asking for. You're asking God for more. You're asking God for responsibility. First of all, he who is faithful with little, much will be given. So if you want God to give you more, be faithful with what you have, and I promise soon enough it will come. But then beware of this. To whom much is given, much is required. So I'm not asking you not to ask for more. I'm just telling you, you better be able to carry your own load before you ask for more. You better buckle up. Because there is a lot of work to be done, and God will use you. He wants you to do it, okay? But you have to be able to carry your own load. Getting yourself right isn't selfish. It's faithful. Okay? Getting your stuff in order is not selfish. It's faithful. But how can I do that? How do I gain strength? This goes back to what we talked about last week. We walk in the Spirit. He is my strength. Well, if he's the strength, then why are you talking about me getting stronger so that I can help someone else carry their burden? Go with me to Jeremiah chapter 17. God gives us another analogy for this. Jeremiah 17, verse 7. The person who trusts in the Lord, whose confidence indeed is the Lord, is blessed. He will be like a tree planted by water. It sends its roots out towards a stream. It doesn't fear when heat comes, and its foliage remains green. It will not worry in a year of drought or cease producing fruit. So you are that tree, and people will rely on your strength. People will rely on you for shade. People will rely on you for whatever you can rely on a tree for, right? The nation is often compared to a tree. However, that tree does not draw strength from itself. That tree was planted by what? A stream of water. And that is the Holy Spirit. And so that tree sends its roots and it spends time drinking from the water every day. And as a result, the tree is strong. If you take away the water, the tree becomes weak. If you take away the water long enough, hear me, the tree will die. So is the tree strong? Sure. Are you strong? Sure. On your own? No. There is a source that gives you strength. There is a source that makes you not fear the sun. See, the tree doesn't not fear the sun. The tree doesn't not fear the wind. The tree doesn't not fear the storm because it's awesome and because it's strong. It doesn't fear those things because it is planted by a stream of water. And it knows that it will be given nourishment through all of those situations. Lift your load because you receive strength from the Lord. Now, you've got to stay plugged in to your Scripture. You have to stay connected with God to get that stream of water. It will make you stronger. It will make you so much stronger that not only can you handle your load, but you can begin to share in the loads of those who are relying on you. But it all comes from the strength of God. If you want to make a difference spiritually in this world, 
get closer to God and you will have the strength for what is to come. But church, and this is kind of my thing today, you have to stay plugged in to Jesus and he will use you. You are useful. You are the tree. You have what someone else needs, but you've got to tap in to the stream. You've got to be where you're supposed to be. I've used this before. It's been some time. It's one of my favorite stories in the Bible, and it's something that I repeat to myself. In my mind, in times of difficulty, there is a passage that I repeat to myself over and over and over. I highly encourage you to write this down and to read this. If you read nothing else that I have talked about today, please read this story. I am in 2 Samuel chapter 11 today. 2 Samuel 11, I'll start in verse 1. I heard this as a young man, and I've repeated this to myself for years and years and years. Okay, here we go. In the spring, when kings march out to war, David, David is the king, sent Joab, Joab is his commander, with his officers and all Israel. They destroyed the Ammonites and besieged Rabbah, but David remained in Jerusalem. One evening, David got up from his bed and strolled around on the roof of the palace. From the roof, he saw a woman bathing, a very beautiful woman. Now, that's all that I have. This is chapters long, but let me give you a brief of what goes on from there. David sees the woman bathing. He desires her. He asks someone with him, who is that woman? They say her name is Bathsheba, and he says, bring her to me. So they bring the king, Bathsheba. He sleeps with her. She, is, she becomes pregnant with his child. And instead of admitting what he has done, he calls Joab. And he says, hey, you know Bathsheba's husband, Uriah? He's a mighty warrior. He was one of the top 30 warriors in all of Israel. He says, you know Uriah? Joab, yes, I know Uriah. Uh, I want you to put him in the front of battle, and when the battle gets really heavy, I want you to have everyone abandon him. And so they did, and Uriah died. Later, she has a child, and um, a prophet comes to David and speaks to David and gives him sort of this whole analogy, and, and he says, hey, David, let me tell you what happened. And he gave him the same scenario but with different names. And David said, let's kill that man who did it. And the prophet looked at David and said, you are that man. And David repented, okay? And he got back on track, but God did punish him. Now, that's the long version of the story. Here's what I want you to ask. Because at this point, David becomes an adulterer. David becomes a murderer. David becomes a liar. This is a man who is supposed to be in the stream. In fact, he was most of the time. He wrote most of the Psalms. He was, he was a tree by the stream, and the whole nation took refuge under this giant tree we call David. But David messed up, and not only him, but the nation paid for his mistake. Now, God eventually restored this, as he will with you, but God did punish it, as he will with you. But here's the question. Where did David go wrong? 
Well, obviously, when he had Joab murdered, right? I would say murder is a step across almost anyone's line. But can we agree that it started before that? Okay, so before that, I mean, when he sent for Joab, this was premeditated murder. He had thought about this. So somewhere he's sitting around, instead of repenting, he's thinking of murder. But can we agree it started before that? I mean, when he finds out that Bathsheba is pregnant, should he not have admitted what he had done and begged for forgiveness? But can we agree that it maybe started before that and that he should have never invited this woman over? Though he saw her, he should have never invited her over. We have no reason from the context of this story to think that he was like, wow, I bet she's good at chess. I need somebody to play me in a steamy game of chess, right? We think that his intentions were wrong from the beginning. But can we agree that maybe it even started before that? David was on his roof when the sun was up, and that's when everyone bathes. And I mean, he is in the temple. He has the highest roof. I doubt he's up on the roof at 3 p.m. going, would you look at that? I mean, I'm 41 years old, and I never knew that all these women would be bathing right now. Give me my binoculars. Can we agree that maybe he was up there because he's just bored? He's up to no good? I mean, the dude has, I don't know how many wives, but he's not satisfied with that. Possibly could it have started before that. Look at verse 1. In the spring, when kings march out to war, David sent Joab (laughs) with his officers and all of Israel. They destroyed the Hamanites and besieged Rabbah, but David remained in Jerusalem in the spring, in the time when kings go off to war. David was home. Now, what's he supposed to do in the spring? He's supposed to go to war. Stay plugged into the river. God has a job for you. He has something for you to do. The problem is... I'm not at the stream to get watered. I didn't go off to where I was supposed to be. I found something else that caught my fancy. I was somewhere else. And if you go back through your low light video, and we all have a highlight reel and we all have a low light reel, right? The low light reel is much larger. In fact, we have a whole closet designated. If you go back through your low light reel, can you not say in the spring when Jared was supposed to be doing his Bible study? In the morning when Jared was supposed to be meeting with the Lord. In the evening when you were supposed to be in bed, instead you were. On the weekend when I was supposed to be with my family, I was off. Right? The most quoted passage in my own mind is in the spring, in the time when kings go off to war. In the spring, in the time when kings go off to war. And that is how I say, Jared, where are you supposed to be right now? Where are you supposed to be right now? Because I have brothers and sisters who are hurting, and I am supposed to help them carry their load, carry their burden, but I don't have the strength to carry my own. Why? Because when I'm supposed to be at the stream, 
I'm streaming. <laughs> was that good? Was that good? Because when I was supposed to be at the stream, I was off. And I lacked the strength. And so now, not only do I not have the strength to help anyone else with their load, with their burdens, I don't have the strength to carry my own. Listen, God restores this. God restores us. God will use you. But he does it his way. God is not looking for suggestions in how you should live. God is not looking for alterations to the plan that he has for your life or what is sin and what isn't sin. We have got to plug into the stream and follow God and do things his way. And that is hard enough in itself. That's hard enough. Had David gone off to war, it would have still been hard. Let me recap real quick. There is someone who has hit you in the ribs with their language, with their insults. And you are reared back to hit even harder. And what God has said is you who are spiritual you say, but I don't know if I'm terribly spiritual right now. <laughs> I don't know if I'm spiritual enough to do this. I don't know if I have it in me. I don't think I'm godly enough. I don't think I'm strong enough. I don't think I'm mature enough. Okay. We all have that testimony. But if you will plant yourself by the stream if you will make it a habit to be in your word in the morning, if you will pray, if you will read your Bible, if you will go to church, and if you will be the church, you will be like a tree planted by a stream of water. And strangers will come in and take refuge under your shade. People will rely on your strength. They will build around you. They will plan around you because you are strong. And why are you strong? Because there is a stream of water. It has nothing to do with you. Sure, you get a little bit of the credit has nothing to do with you. And so when you truly understand where your strength is, you will always defer to the stream. God has a plan for you and you need to be planted by the stream. In the spring, in the time when kings go off to war, in the spring, in the time when kings go off to war, you who are spiritual, restore such a person. You who are spiritual, restore. These are meditation scriptures. What does it mean for you? What is God calling you to do today? Because I promise you, is something beneficial. Not just permissible, it's something beneficial. I want to pray for you. You can, you can bow your head and close your eyes or you can look at me if that helps you uh, pay attention. But I want to pray for you today. Father, I see, I see, I see Alex over here. God, I just see, I see saints. I see warriors. I see mighty women, mighty men of God. God, this room is full of people who are those mighty oaks that you talk about. You said that if we had faith like a grain of, like, like a mustard seed, even that size, that we would grow into the biggest tree in the garden. And Father, I see, I see mustard trees. I see oak trees. God, you have blessed us with amazing people. You said, you said come to Ranger because there are children that you love, but I didn't know it was like this. 
God, I pray that they will draw strength from you and that they will grow into that mighty oak that you have called us to be. That they will be that largest tree in the garden, Father. That what never should have been according to the world will be because you have made it. God, I pray that you will take us and remove what, what keeps us away from the stream, Father. Help us to find our way back to the stream, Father. I pray, Lord, that we will have the courage and that people will set it now to spend time with you. And I pray, Father, as they do, as they spend time on their knees, as they spend time in your word, that you would speak to us in a mighty way, that you would send water through our roots and the Holy Spirit into us and make us something entirely better, stronger, usable. God, we need you. We can't even be useful without you. We can never grow without you. You are the source of life, Father. A seed stuck in an envelope will stay hundreds of years until it's given water, and you are that water, Father. We can do nothing without you. Grow us. Make us into what you would have us be. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. The worship team is going to uh, play. People are going to come by with baskets. Part of the way that we worship is with tithe and offerings. So uh, please feel free to uh, drop that in the basket. But as well, you have a connection card. We want to hear from you. We want to pray for you. But also, there's a prayer team. Prayer team, if you would go ahead and stand up, uh, make your way to the front. They have a button. You'll be able to recognize them by their button. It says, Ask Me. Uh, they would love to pray with you. They are down here waiting for you. So during worship or when service is over, please come. We would love to pray for you. But right now, stand in worship. Thank you.